good to praise his name. I want you to, if you've got your Bibles now, I want you to turn me to Acts chapter two, fifth book in the New Testament, Acts chapter two. <clears throat> I'm going to talk tonight about blessed are the dreamers. A few weeks ago, we, we on a Wednesday night, we talked about born to dream or created to dream. And I want to talk to you about dreaming again tonight, but I, I want to teach you how to dream from the Bible. Uh, the, dreaming's my thing. I, I'm, we're going to see tonight as the script says, when when there is no vision, the people perish. I think people die when they stop dreaming. And we're going to talk about dreams tonight. And let me, let me say this. Every human, being that, every human being that's created is created by God with a destiny. That's right. you, you, were created, you were not just created and thrown. You have a destiny from heaven and it's wonderful. And you were created to dream. You were created with a dream. And uh, we want to find it. We don't want to just get saved. Getting saved will get you into heaven. It won't get heaven into you on this earth. And we want, to, we want to be a people that dream. I just I think the secret to life is dreaming. And I'm going to show you one of the great, this is one of the well-known passages in Scripture, but many people miss the main point of it. Uh, they get excited about the jumping around, but they forget what the purpose of it is. This is when the Spirit of God comes to people and visits people. You're familiar with Acts chapter 2. It's, when the, it's the day the church was born. It's when the Spirit of God came. Jesus died. He was resurrected. He said, now I'm going to send, we're going to, I'm going to build my church, but don't do anything. Don't do anything. You wait on me and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And my spirit's going to come back to this earth. And I'm not going to leave you like, or, like orphans. I'll come and be with you. And they waited and the Spirit of God came back to the earth and visited those people. Came inside of them. The Spirit of God's inside of every person that's born again. And I want you to look at this passage with me. The Spirit of God came. They began to speak. And I want you to read with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Now, this is a, it's a prophecy. And listen to me. It's a promise. And God's going to do what he said here. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days. When's this going to happen? Are we living in the last days? Certain we are. It will come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out my Spirit on what? All people, all flesh. And that doesn't mean every human being. Too possible to every human being. In the latter days, what's God's going to do? Going to do? His Spirit's going to visit people. His Spirit's going to come to people. This is one of the great promises. And He made this promise in, in the book of James. He said this, The farmer waits for the early and the latter rains. We well, you know the early rains that start a crop, then you've got to have that last rain. Well, the latter rain speaks of the last days when God's going to touch people. And his spirit's going to come to people. And he promised this in the latter days, I'm going to pour my spirit out. And it's going to be on all flesh, all, all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young people are going to talk about Jesus. Here's the part I want to look at tonight. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. Let's read a little bit further. On my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What does it mean men servants and maid servants? Humble people. On humble people, I'm going to pour my spirit out. But I want you to make the connection. God said in the latter days, I'm going to pour my spirit out. And my spirit's going to visit the earth. I'm going to come to people individually. What is the result of God's spirit coming to you in the latter days? What does it say? You're going to have visions and dreams. I'm going to pour my spirit out. And, and a vision, dream, that, that just tells what you are. Now, I dream because I'm old. If you're young, you can have a vision. Actually, they're the same thing. And it says young men, old men. It's talking about people. But one of the great things that happens is when we open our lives to the Spirit of God, He comes into our lives and we begin to dream and we begin to have visions. And the Spirit of God wants to do this for every person. 
He wants to bring dreams and vision. I'm, I watch uh, one of the people are trying to say, what, what's wrong with our nation today? Well, I'll just give it to you. And I'll, I'll encapsulate it. We've lost our dream in this nation. People don't dream anymore. We're, we're just getting by. And when I see, I, hear, I visit preachers, I talk to preachers, I see in churches, believers don't dream anymore. We've gone from dream mode to survival mode. We weren't created to survive. We were created to thrive and to dream. And I want you to see, I want you to get this promise down in your heart. God's going to bring me a dream. The spirit of God's going to, I'm going to, he's going to come to me and I'm going to dream. And we're going to talk about dreaming tonight. And, and uh, you know what a dream, you know what a God-given dream is. Now don't mistake it for the, uh, a girl told me not long ago, she said, it's always been my dream to open a coffee house. I said, well, why don't you name it Hebrews? Hebrews, it's going to be a Christian coffee house. I said, um, but that, that was not a God-given dream. That was just her personal, I want, you know, you can have a dream, a vision for business, whatever. A God-given dream is when he puts something in your heart and your mind. It's when he puts it in there. Let me give you a couple of references on this. Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10. This is the covenant I make with them in the latter days. I will write my plans in their hearts and put them in their minds. It's when God comes to you and he begins to put ideas and dreams and, and excite you about things at heart level and mental level. I'll put them in their heart and their mind. One of the great verses pertaining to this is in Nehemiah chapter two, verse 12, where Nehemiah was a man who had a good job, good government job. And all of a sudden something began to happen inside of him. Slowly over time, something happened. And finally, in chapter two, verse 12, he said, I hadn't told anybody what God put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. And God planted a dream in his heart. Same thing happened with Moses. But you say, well, that, that's Moses and Nehemiah. All right. Acts chapter two, in the latter days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, everybody. And you're going to dream and you're going to have visions. And I want you to dream so much. I want people to dream and I want people to live out of vision. I've been there, done that and still doing it. But the, the, uh, it's a God-given dream for every person. Now, I'm gonna give you five Bible truths about dreams, spirit dreams. And these are dreams that the Holy Spirit brings to you. I'm just gonna teach you five things from scripture about these dreams that God brings to you. I, there's nothing worse than a busted dream. Uh, there's nothing worse than living with a busted dream. Proverbs says it like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You lose your dream, you're sick at heart level. You can still get up and go to work. You can still pay the bills. You might still be good at what you do. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you lose your dream, something down here just dies. And I want people to dream. All right, I want you to, let me give you five truths from the Bible about dream. Number one, his, all, and from the scripture, his dreams are always big. And, and by that, I mean this. They are heart igniting. Nehemiah didn't say, I, I got this idea and this command. He said, I told no one what God put in my heart to do. Let me hearken this back to Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. And all through the Bible, when people, when God planted dreams in people's hearts and then began to explain it in their minds, they came alive. It was, it was igniting. It's so exciting. And you just go, man, and the, the things people did to achieve these dreams. Listen, the, the kingdom of God, here's a great reference. The kingdom of God, Matthew 13. The kingdom of God is like a man searching for treasure and he finds hidden treasure in a field. And for the joy over what he found, he gives up everything he's got to get it. That's a man who found God's vision and God's dream. And he, he was so excited for joy. He gave up everything he had to get it. And, uh, 
It's just, let's look at Philippians 2.13. Let me show you something here. Philippians 2.13 has been an anchor verse for me for, I can remember when I'm a young country preacher and in No Hope number nine, I was pastor No Hope number nine and thinking, I, what, if, what is this down here and what is this out here? The two weren't matching. I want you to look in Philippians 2.13. This is an anchor in the cold days right here. Philippians 2.13 says this, God is working in you. You gonna believe it or not? It was God is working in you to do what? To will and to do for his good pleasure. God wants to do something in you. Can you see that? But before he wants to do something in you, what does he do before he does something? He's working in you to will first. Let me put it this way. He, he's going to give you the desire for it before he does it. God's working in your heart to give you desires so he can bring things to pass. Great example of this, Henry Blackaby. I heard this years ago. Henry Blackaby was a pastor in Canada. He wrote the great series, Experiencing God. And there were a little church in Canada that was getting started, had young children. It, it was tough financially. Sometimes you, you uh, don't, the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. I said, well, then we should be headed somewhere. So we, when you, it was very poor, it was a tough time. My son's birthday's coming up. And he said, I, I, I came across some extra money. I don't know how he got it, whether somebody gave it to him. And he said, my son had a ragged old bicycle. He knew he couldn't afford a nice one. And he said, I wanted to get him something real nice for his birthday. He said, good kid. And he said, I asked him, I said, son, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, dad, I, I know it's asking a lot, but if I could have a new basketball. I said, you know, our old basketball, you can't even tell where the lines are on it anymore. And they had an outdoor, out, yard, out in the yard court out there. I said, if I, if, I know it's asking a lot, but if we could have a new basketball, that'd be great. Well, he said, my son was dreaming of a basketball. I was dreaming of something a whole lot bigger for him. And he said, I went and bought the bike, and an expensive bike, very nice bike. And y'all, this is years ago. You know, a bike to a kid today doesn't mean much. A bike was a big deal years ago when I was young. They just come out with the Model A, so a bike was a big deal. And uh, so he gets that bike, he puts it in the garage, and he, and he said, I had, I had three weeks. I, I knew what I wanted to do for him. I wanted to do something big for him. Now I got three weeks to get him wanting it. Because I want to will and work for good pleasure. So he said, I, I began to, we'd see an ad in a magazine or something. I'd say, son, wouldn't it be nice to have a bike like that? And he was so humble, he'd say, yeah, dad, but I know we can't afford it. And he said, I kept just nudging him toward this bike. And I could tell all of a sudden he's starting to sort of think about it, even though he knew I couldn't afford it. And he said, I just, I worked him for about three weeks over this bike till he really wanted one so bad. Then all I had to do was just pull it out and just gave it to him for his birthday. That's a great picture of what it means. God is working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Before he does something big in you and for you, he's going to put it right here and let you, he was going to cause you to want it to will in you, cause you to dream of it. So he, listen, he doesn't play games with people. He's good. Uh, you ever been to Tweetsie Railroad? It's the greatest theme park in the world, always will be. Carry real guns. I know they shoot artificial bullets, but they're real guns. We take our kids to Tweetsie, it's the greatest place in the world. And they got this, uh, thing called a fudge shop and they make the fudge right there and it smells the place up and it draws the kids. Could you imagine me taking my son? He likes that stuff. Just a little tiny fella. And I got, he, well, he had his full cowboy regalia on, had his pistols, everything, cowboy hat. 
And uh, can you imagine me taking him to the fudge shop and saying, now look in there and let him smell it. Let him put his little nose against the window and then tell him, you ain't not getting none. Come with me. That's a cruel father right there. Of course he can have it. Dear ones, if God puts something in your heart, it's so he can bring it to pass. We're not talking about ministry here. Might be ministry. I talked with a lady, prayed with a lady a few weeks ago, and she said, I, I want a husband so bad. I said, are you sure? Are, are you, do you have any idea what you're getting into? I, you might ought to go talk to some. I'm, I'm just picking. And I could tell, I could tell it was God. He said, I thought God was saving the world. He ain't got time to find men for women. Who said it is not good? And, and I could tell he'd put this in her heart. But see, here's the problem. It was taking longer than she planned on. I said, surprise. <laughs> Just hang on. But, but there was the Bible teaches. His dreams are ignite the heart. That's all I know to tell you. They just, they would light your heart up. Number two, God's dreams are going to be risky. Because contrary to what the American church teaches, he is a risky God. I don't know how in the world we got from the Bible to where we are today. The safest place in America is the church. No risk. Don't ever take a risk on anything. I mean, we live in the comfort zone of the American church. You ever read the Bible? You ever read, you ever read how he dealt with people in the Bible? Listen, he's like he is in the Bible. He's not like he is in the American church. When he put dreams in people's heart, was there not a risk involved? Was it not dangerous to go with him? Did you not have to give some things up? When he told Simon to step out of the boat, was there a risk involved? Look how idiot if he don't come through. He told Abraham, just leave your family and go out. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Risky. I mean, the things he asked people to do in the Bible were so, he, is a, he likes for you to take a risk. Guess why? What's the one thing he wants more than anything else? He wants you to trust him. And he loves to put you in a place where if he don't come through, you're sunk. Now, I've got a high tolerance for risk. I love risk. Let's do something crazy and see what happens. That's why I shouldn't be in the ministry. But if you're going to walk with a risky God, you've got to learn to take risks. And by the way, you know where the good stuff is? Right outside your comfort zone. You know what a comfort zone is, don't you? You know what a comfort zone is. That's where people die. But dreams are sort of risky. You might have to take a risk. <clears throat> Number three. His dreams are going to require faith. And they can't come to pass without faith. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what faith is. I'm going to define it from Scripture. So we always go back to Hebrews 11.1 1 for faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. If God gives you a dream and it hadn't shown up yet. You've got to, have, you've got to hold on to the, in faith to the evidence. And the evidence is His promise. It's what He put in your heart. Now, you can't let Satan steal your dream away from you while you're waiting on it to come to pass or while it's working itself out. That's why you got to walk by faith to dream because it's going to be periods where you'll say, it looks like we're backing up. It don't matter what it looks like. What did he say? Faith comes by hearing the voice of God, the word of God. And faith is, is evidence when nobody else can see it. And uh, you're going to have to have faith to fulfill dreams because I'm just going to be honest. Some of his dreams are pretty crazy. Number four, faith requires hard, I mean, excuse me, his dreams require hard work. Now see, you lose Americans right there. there was a, it don't fall on you like a ripe cherry. Let me ask you, people in the Bible that he gave dreams to, didn't they have to work a little bit? 
Moses was given a dream. This, this cowboy was given a dream of saving two million people and starting a nation. Did he have to work for 40 years? Now, God did his part, but it, Moses had to do his part. Abraham, God did his part. Abraham did his part. Uh, Mary, who will, you know, coming up Christmas. All through the Bible, when God gave somebody a dream, God had to do something. Listen, if you can do it without him, it's not his dream. He, he's got to help you. But you've got to do your part too. And sometimes you've got to work at it. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says this. I'm going to quote it from two different translations. One translation says this. We are co-laborers together with God. That means we work together with, guess what the word labor means? No, you're not sitting on your fanny drinking pina coladas. The, another translation says, we are co-workers with God. Guess what the word work means? God's got to be working, but we got to be working too. For instance, I've got, I've got a friend of mine. God put it in her heart to be a great piano player. I mean, a, 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 a concert piano player and do it for his glory. Well, she didn't just take the book and go to sleep, lay it on her face. Guess what her part was? Hours and hours and hours in the practice studio. You got to practice. Now, God did his part, but she had to do her part. Uh, my friends, Jay and Christy Dawson, I talked to Christy today. God put it in their hearts to build a place where lives could be redeemed. Well, they didn't go sit down and watch TV and tell him, amen, go ahead. But they had to get the hammers out and the shovels out and the fundraising out and, the, and the, they had to work at it. If it's a God-given dream, you have to do your part. Listen to me, it's worth it. It's worth it. it it's joy labor. It's, it's the fun stuff because you're so driven by it. So it requires hard work. And then let me, let me add this. If, if it's his dream and it's big, it's going to require endurance. You're going to have to endure something. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 to the great, this is the whole passage is about great faith in Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Some of you got dreams about your children, your futures, got dreams about your home, things you want to do for other people. Some of you just like to make a difference in this planet. All right, that's your dream. Now look what the Bible says about a dream and holding on to it. And this whole passage is about dreaming and, and having great faith. Uh, it can be a little slow to come to pass sometimes. Hebrews 10.35 says this. Hebrews 10.35. Do not cast away your confidence. Some translations say faith, which has a great reward. You got it? What did you say? Don't throw your faith away. There will be a reward. Now I'm going to pause right here and hearken over to Galatians chapter 6. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we don't give up. There's this period where you just got to hang in there. Look in verse 36. You have need of endurance. You know what endurance means? It, what do you hear when you hear the word endurance? If you go on a date and you had to endure it, was that a good date? <laughs> endurance and enjoy are on opposite ends. Endurance means you got to sit through some tough stuff. Candy cane, American Christianity, going to have to firm up a little bit. You have need of endurance. Watch this. You have need of endurance that after you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. If you've got a vision of raising kids that are great kids and love God and contribute to this planet, how many of you know you've got to go through some days where you could pinch their heads off and you've got to endure it? Raising kids, building a business, building a church, building a life. There's some days where you just have to suck it up buttercup. I like that scripture, suck it up buttercup. There's days where you just have to endure. It's not, it's not always, there, there is no life where you can just float through on flowers. Them days are over. I don't think they ever were. 
But, but a, a vision's going to require some endurance. There are going to be days where you just have to suck it up. <clears throat> I like that, sucking stuff up like that. All righty. Let me tell you, the second thing I want to tell you about great dreams, his dreams. Dreams are born when you're with the Father. Dreams are born by spending time with the Father. This is where we, uh, we got to get it. I don't want it be terrible to miss it for this reason. They're born during times of the Father. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13, one of the great pictures. I could take you all through scriptures and show you this. Acts chapter 13, this is where you actually receive dreams at. They, uh, you're not going to get a dream laying on the beach, listening to beach music, watching girls walk by. You'll get smacked by your wife. That's what you're going to get there. <laughs> Acts chapter 13. I want you to watch this. In the church that was at Antioch, there were certain, there were five elders. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. When did God plant that dream in their hearts? What were they doing? They were ministering to the Lord. And that simply means they were spending time with God, worshiping Him, praising Him, thanking Him. They were enjoying the Lord, probably singing hymns. What they call hymns would be the Psalms of David. But they were just spending time with God, enjoying Him. And that's when He began to put His dream in their hearts. All through the Bible, you see that when people would get alone with God, that's when He'd begin to... That's why it's so important. It's, it's not a duty. Well, I got to do my quiet time or He'll be mad. He's not going to be mad. I don't make my... I don't, my wife and I, we date every Thursday night. I don't make her go or I'll be mad. If she don't enjoy it, I don't want her to go. We get alone with God to enjoy Him. And it's when you're alone with God, that's when He imparts those dreams in your heart. That's when stuff just, I've learned, get alone and get still and just sit there and wait. And just enjoy Him and praise Him. And all of a sudden, into your heart will come, mind will come ideas. Into your heart will come great. You'll go, God, wouldn't it be great? All kind, I'm not just talking about one big dream. I'm talking about different kinds. When did Moses get the dream to, to become the deliverer? When was it? When God told him, take your shoes off and stand still and wait on me. And he waited on him there. It was those that wait upon the Lord. This is when, when dreams... And, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you one of the, the all-time, one of the great classic verses. You know the verse. But there was... We, we hear this verse. We hear it at high school graduation. I bet you everybody in here can quote it. But you hung up the phone too soon. He had something else to say to it. Turn me to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, we love to quote verse 11, but we forget 12 and 13. The official high school graduation verse. Valedictorian speeches. Here it is. Jeremiah 29, 11. See if you've ever heard this before. The Father speaking. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts I think toward you. Now that word thoughts, Hebrew words, better translated plans or dreams or vision. I know the dreams I've got for you. I know the visions I have for you. You've heard, I know the, most of it's quoted, I know the plans I have for you. What's this? I know the plans I have for you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What, what, I've got plans for you. I think about you. I think about your future. And they're good plans, son, sweetheart. They're good plans. They're not evil. They bring you peace. They'll bring hope into your life. They're good. What did the Father just tell you right there? I think about your future. I've got plans for you. But we, we, we hung up the phone too quick. Look in verse 12. 
Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find you when you search for me with all your heart. What do he say? I got plans for you, but I need you to come sit down with me. I need you to look for me and I need you to, to pray with me. It's when we, it's time spent with him that dreams are put in our hearts. And there's nothing that I love to do more than just to get quiet and be still and let him start talking. By talking, I mean he puts ideas in your mind and, and your heart just gets so excited over what he's, and it's an impression in your heart. And I want you to do this. Listen to me. Why don't you tell him, let's dream together. Just say it to him. Tell him, let's dream together. And you sit down with your Bible and, met and worship him and just say, let's dream together. And I, I want to wait on you. Uh, why don't you claim the promise of Luke eleven thirteen? He said this, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask him, put your dream in my heart. I want you to ignite this heart with your dream. But it comes when we spend time with him and we seek and dream. And things will begin to come in your heart. Listen to me. It's, it's not a zap. Like, whoa, I'm gone. That's not how it works. It, it grows slowly over time. And you begin to think, what if that's him? I wonder if this is God putting this in my heart. And, and then you think things like this. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? That, that's what I want. And you, you begin, your desires begin to grow slowly over time. Over time, it begins to grow. And, you, and when you go back to him, it just grows bigger. And then you, you, you know, you're busy with the life and your day and life. And all of a sudden, you sort of see, no, that, that, that couldn't have been him. But you get back with him again. Here it comes again. And over time, that dream begins to grow. And not just a dream, but dreams. Uh, dreams for your children. Dreams for your life. Dreams about things. You let it grow. But now listen to me. He begins to plant that dream in your heart. Then you got to do something with it. Now, let me, let me tell you this. Number three, how to hold on to your dream. You listen to me. Satan is a thief. And he knows if there's one thing I need to steal from them, I need to steal their dreams from them. What has he done in this nation? Listen to, listen to the polls of young people today, not even believers. Listen to what they say. Hopelessness. And he's stealing dreams from believers through circumstances and through mistakes and things like that. Do not let him steal your dream. Let me tell you how to hold on. I want to talk to you. This is the big one. Let's talk about holding on to our dreams. God begins to put something in your heart and you begin to, you begin to just dream out there. All right. I'm going to tell you three things you need to do to hold on to the dreams that God's put in your heart. Number one, you need to write the vision. You need to write it down. I don't know if you've, I brought mine tonight. Yeah, this, is a, this is a high dollar thing. I think it's 79 cents at the Dollar General. You need a book like this. And this is, just, this is my writing book. And uh, when I, I pray or I'm thinking or whatever, and I'll, some, something will come into my heart, things, I go back and I'll write it down. And I got stuff written in here. I use different colored pens because ADD people need stuff like that. And, uh, but I just write what I think he's saying and, and I, I just write it down and then I'll always correlate it with scripture. And you need something like that. Let me tell you where this comes from. Hebrew, excuse me. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two says this, write the vision, make it plain on paper so you can read it again and again and run with it. You, you'll lose it if you don't write it down. Adrian Rogers taught me something when I was 20 some years old. He said, son, <clears throat> the dullest pencils better than the sharpest mind. Get your pencil and use it for the rest of your life. And you need to write stuff. Now, that's what these little dream books or God books are for. Get one. Keep it with your Bible. I'm not talking about sermon notes. This is, this is my sermon notebook here. <laughs> They're making fun of my sermon notes today. You would too if you could see them. But, but the deal is you need a little dream book. 
you can call it whatever you want to, a God book, dream book, a, a word book. Uh, Charles Stanley said this about, he said, it becomes your own Bible over time. Not that it's authoritative, but you can look back and see things he told you and how things unfolded over time. And you need to, what you think he's putting in your heart, write it down. That's what the scripture says in, in Habakkuk. Write the vision, make it plain. Don't be goofy and weird. Write it out in such a, write what you, I dream of owning our own home someday. That's a God-given dream. And I came when he probably, the first things he promised them when they came out of bondage, he said, you will, you will live in homes you did not pay for. Well, I don't know, but you probably got to pay for yours like I had to pay for mine. But we want to have a home for our family one day. And all those things that God puts in your heart, write them down, write the vision, make it plain on paper. Actually, it says tablets, but I just see y'all chiseling it out. We don't chisel it out no more. We write on paper now. And listen to me, listen to me. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Don't do it electronically. There's something about picking up a pen and writing on paper and keeping it in a book. You can go, but you can hold it in your hands. Besides, if it's electronic, I'm going to lose it in the cloud. I think the cloud eats my stuff. I'm not sure what it is. Besides, I'm on my cheap cell phones. won't keep anything. All right, write the vision. Make it plain on paper. Read it again and again. And then run with it. That's why it's good to write it down. You need to have a record like that. So number one, write the vision. Number two, let, let, me, oh, oh, let me say this right here. One of the greatest gifts God ever gave you is called imagination. Yeah. Now, I know Satan has perverted that thing. I know Satan has used imagination to bring untold evil in the earth. And I know sometimes our flesh can use it wrong ways, but God gave you an imagination. God gave you that imagination. And if you'll, you'll, let me give you an example of how he wants to use imagination with you. A man named Abraham, the dream of his heart was to have children. It never happened. He's 89 years old. He's given up almost. And the Bible said in Genesis 15, God came to him and said, come, come with me, come outside. Took him outside. He said, look at the stars. Count them if you can. What's he doing? He's playing on Abraham's imagination. He said, count the stars if you can. He said, so shall be your descendants. And what is it? What's he trying to get Abraham to do? Imagine you got that many kids. And Abraham knew he doesn't lie. He's, he's telling the truth. And that, that was a that's why he's called the father of faith. That took a lot of faith to believe that at 89, you'd be the father of that many kids. We hadn't had one yet. But how, what did God do? He played on his imagination. You need to pray and ask him, come into my thoughts. Let your spirit, uh, it's called a sanctified imagination. That's just a fancy way of saying God's helping you to imagine. Ask him, invite him into your imagination. And the imagination, is, a lot of preachers are against imagination. God created it. There was no... If, if uh, that Edison guy hadn't imagined a light bulb, we'd be sitting here with candles. Every advancement ever made came where first? Through the imagination. Well, God created imagination to dream with. And you need to imagine, what would it be? So, well, Brother Brown, we want to get people's hopes up. You need to get saved. I mean, you need to get saved. You, you at least need a new God. Because our God is the God of hope. He's called the God of hope. What is this kind of American Christianity? We don't get people's hopes up. That's everything. All I do up here is try to get people's hopes up. <laughs> he took Abraham. He said, so shall be your children, but don't get your hopes up. I'm lying. Is that what he said? What was he doing when he said, look, look at the stars. Imagine those years. What was he doing? He was getting his hopes up because faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't even believe to you. Hope. 
And hope comes out of a sanctified imagination. Just sit down and, and dream. You say, well, I'm not sure if these are my dreams or his. Take off, Hot Rod. He'll help you. I mean, you've got to start somewhere. He'll segregate it in the end. But we need to dream. And we, we need to be a people that dream and imagine and look down the road. All right, write the vision. Number two, rehearse the vision. Rehearse the vision in your mind. Just go over and over. That's why we write it down so you can go back and do it again. When, you, when, you're, when you're not occupied mentally, like your boss is not asking you something, like when you're driving down the road, don't listen to that junk on the radio. I mean, it's hard to have it on. What are you thinking about? Rehearse your dream. Rehearse, dream about great things happening. God gave you your mind to use for, for sanctified purposes and in your heart. All right, listen, God gave Abraham that dream. Why is that in the Bible? Why is that in the Bible? So he can say to you and me here in North Carolina in this time, so he can say to us, I did it for others, but I ain't gonna do it for you. You think that's why he put that in there? He put that in there to teach you what he's like and to cause us to be, there's no difference between you and Abraham. People just like we are. That's why it's in there. All right, listen to what the Bible said. There was a period where he had to keep believing God when it didn't look like it was gonna come to pass. Pretty good period. All right, listen to what he did. In Romans chapter four, it tells us this. Abraham kept on believing and he kept on rehearsing. He refused to think about how old that woman he was married to was. He would not think about why it wouldn't come to pass, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. What did that tell you? Right, 89, for 11, 11 years, he just kept thinking about what, what God, he kept rehearsing in his mind, this is what he's going to do for me. And when Sarah would come in the room on her walk, he'd go, don't look over there. Don't look away. He said, I am not going to think on the discouraging. He refused. He, he refused. He wouldn't even look at himself in the mirror. Do you know that? He said he refused to consider his own body. I think when he got out of the shower, he just walked right by the mirror. He would, or whatever they had back then. But he would not dwell on why it couldn't happen. He refused to think about how it couldn't happen. He said, I'm not going to do it. He refused to consider his own body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory. He just kept rehearsing. God's going to do this for me. We're going to do this as a family. You, you need to rehearse over and over in your mind and just let it swell up in your heart. You know how you get to a person's heart? You go through their mind. You got to think about it first before it can get in your heart. We need to choose our thoughts wisely. And we need to guard our thoughts so that our hearts have that direction. So listen to me, re rehearse the vision. And then number three, sometimes you have to renew the vision because it can get taken away from you. You got to write the vision. You got to rehearse it in your mind over and over, and you got to renew the vision. Uh, there's a guy named Jonah, and he was given a vision by God. <laughs> but I'm not going to belabor why he got in, going in the wrong direction. But uh, something happened, and God gave him a chance to renew the vision. He said, Let me tell you again. God didn't change his mind, he changed his direction. And he had to renew that vision. One of the great pictures of renewing the vision um, is Joseph. Joseph was a young man. He had a dream. Remember what his dream was? I will rule one day. He said, I will rule one day. And he said, and he went and told his brothers, listen, be careful. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be like Nehemiah. I told no one what God put in my heart to do. He told his brothers and he got thoroughly rebuked and got in trouble for it. Got him thrown in a pit for it. Don't tell everybody what God's put in your heart. Just put, tell people that can believe. Don't, Jesus said, don't put your pearls in front of pigs. Don't, don't try to tell people faith that are unbelievers, but you can trust people that have faith with your dreams. 
And, but you know what he did? He said, I'm a root. He kept, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a root. Do you know I was going to root? If he'd have stayed on the cell phone a little bit longer, God would have told him in 17 years. He didn't hear that part. <laughs> uh, he'd have been less excited, wouldn't he? And matter of fact, you can say, if you follow him, it was 17 years. He had to go through uh, unrewarded labor. He was tested with uh, immorality. He was tested in prison. He went through, see why you need endurance? He went through some tough times and he kept having to bring that dream back up and renew it again and again, but he did it. Oh, you can follow him through that whole concourse. He kept doing it and God brought it. Listen, he will never let the dream die if you won't. Uh, listen to what I'm fixing to say. A dream delayed is not a dream denied. Just because it's taking longer than you thought and you've hit some bumps and it don't look like it's coming. Our Father, once He establishes a dream, it's there. It's there. And just because it's delayed, it's not denied. I've told you about a lady. She was a wonderful lady. She was my secretary uh, at a previous church. She's one of the godly, and just country's a turnip brand. I loved her dearly. She's a woman of great faith. And her husband was just a redneck. I mean, I mean, there's good rednecks like me and there's bad rednecks. He was a bad redneck. And he was just rough as a cob, ungodly. But she had prayed for him and she knew it was God's will that he'd be saved and that he'd love Jesus, he'd be a godly man. And, and it was taking a long time. How many of you, the only thing that, well, I'm not going to say that. How many of you like a, would like for him to move a little faster? Sorry. But I'd ask her, I'd say, how's Ronnie? She said, and she'd say, every time she'd say, that man's going to love God one day. She'd say it just like that. I mean, she just knew he's going to love God one day. And I'd, I'd say, let me look around here. Well, if you start looking, you're in trouble. And she held, and sure enough, to, long story short, that boy loves God. He became one of the most, he's huge, mountain of a man. Wears bibbed overalls all the time. Wears a shirt on occasion. God. He's a mountain and got that old long hair. He just looks like something out of the back country. And I, he is the sweetest, tenderheartedest man that just loves God passionately and loves her dearly. You know what? She, she held on to that thing. And just because that dream was delayed, it was never denied. Somebody, listen, you need to dream about yourself. You need to dream about yourself and you need to don't lose the dream about yourself just because it's taken longer than you thought. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ. He'll finish it. God's working in you. And you need to rehearse that dream and you need to renew. If you lose your vision, listen, go back and get it. Even my friend Samson, golly, go back and get it. Number four, let me say this. You have to choose to dream. It's not automatic. And he doesn't grab you by the collar and say, you're going to dream whether you like it or not. Just like you have to choose to follow Jesus, you have to choose to believe. You have to choose to dream. Let me make an announcement. Don't get into this American, even American Christian skepticism that's on the land today. I don't care what's going on on the land. My God is bigger than anything going on in this land. I mean, he's bigger than anything going on and you have to choose to dream. And I got a dear friend, Cornelius Muller. Cornelius is just a great guy. He came down here. He was Mr. Basketball in Brooklyn, which that, that's a big deal. That's a you great basketball player. He came down here to play college basketball at Elon. He was a great star at Elon. Played pro for a little bit. And uh, I just love him dearly. We're dear buddies. Cornelius had, uh, had, it, had it. He had everything. He had the American dream. He came out of a hard life in inner city of New York. Got a you know, great opportunity. Played college basketball. Was well loved. Got a great job in a bank. Everything going great. His life was set. But there was something down here just kept saying, 
I want to touch the world and I want to do it through film. Well, he had to make a decision one day. Remember me saying risky? Risk? He had to make a decision. He had to throw away everything America, Americans call their dream. He had to throw all that away and pursue his dream. And uh, I tell him all the time, you are, you are such a man of faith. You're hanging on year after year, believing, believing that God's going to... And this is not about me being famous. This is about helping people. And you could tell God put it, there's just a dream in his heart, but he just holds on to it. But let me tell you why. He chooses to do that. He's talented and gifted and he could easily go get a job in business and make a living. And he could do that if he wanted to. But he chooses to keep believing even though the road is long. Are you with me? Listen, start dreaming. It's a decision. Choose to dream. Choose to dream. And listen, if you're going to do it, might as well do it big. Matter of fact, I dare you to dream so big that you think it pushes God a little bit. I never understood why people memorize verses like all nations that turn from God shall be turned into hell. Why would you memorize that? <laughs> I choose to memorize things like, is anything too hard for our God? Yeah. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Get on the dreaming side and get off the negative side or the, or the dark side. <clears throat> All right, we got we to gotta choose to dream. He is a faith God. And if you're going to walk with him, you've got to be a faith people. So what if I get disappointed? You are going to live disappointed if you don't start dreaming. Hope does not disappoint, Romans chapter 5 says. I'm going to dream, dream about family. My dream in life was family. That's all I ever wanted in life. You know, I, I didn't have the best deal growing up. And uh, I'm t- I dreamed about family. Career meant nothing to me. You know, career is something you just pay the bills with. I never had, I never, never had a dream for a career. Obviously, look where I'm at. <laughs> I dreamed of having a wife that I could love and a friend. I dreamed of kids. That, that burned in my heart. That's all I wanted more than anything on the earth. I wanted a family. You said, well, you sound like some woman that watches Hallmark movies. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. I said, I just dreamt. Family's all I ever wanted in life. And I dreamed of family. And, and God brought, you guess, guess why I was like that? He was working in me to will and work for his good. Now, some people just have a family. I lived for it. And he brought that dream to pass and he's blessed me tremendously with that. Some people dream of a home. You know, that, that's natural. You, you dream of a home and, and listen, define it. Define what kind you want. You know, the American dream used to be a house with a white picket fence. Well, ain't nobody wants that no more. My wife's dream was a log house with a split rail fence. And dream of, you say, what, what's this got to do with God? He is the God of life. When he brought the children of Israel, he says, I'm taking you to a land. I'll give you homes you didn't build. I'll give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'll give you fields you didn't have to cultivate. And, and you need to dream of that. You, you need to dream about... Uh, some of you need to dream about health again. You need to start dreaming about your health. Now, you're talking about something you're going to have to work at. It's worth it. But you need to dream. So what, what, what's health? Listen to this. Third John... Beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. We need, we need to believe him for everything in life. Some of you got a dream to serve people. Guess who put that in there? You can, you can make money and get you a trophy or you can serve people. Serve people with your life or business. All right, let me, let me quit by saying this. There's a place where dreams go to die. And I'm watching people let their dreams die today. Don't do... 
when you stop dreaming, you did. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And listen, your, your dream may not appeal to me at all. You say, Brother Brown, I want to be the greatest ballet dancer in the world. You want to jump around in your underwear, help yourself. That's no dream of mine. Besides, my toes would hurt with that mess. But that, well, it's just because he didn't call me to do it. You're, you, you know, I dream of family. You say, I'm them nasty young as wiping their noses on me. Well, that's not yours then. There's one spirit, diversities of ministrations. The one spirit of God puts different things in different hearts. And, but there's a place where dreams go to die. The two places, number one's memories. Number two is rebellion. Memories are where dreams go to die. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to listen to it. Let me, let me take the inscription and show you this. When your memories become bigger than your dreams, you're dead. When your memories are bigger than your dreams, you're dead. And listen to me. That's bad memories and good memories. Bad memories, memories will rob you of your dreams. The two great thieves of dreams. One is bad memories. <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Bad things happened in your life. All of us have had bad things happen. Some of us much worse than others. I mean, I, we've got people who've had horrible things happen to them. And, and they think that their future is being dictated by what happened. Listen, don't let Satan use your past to destroy your future. Those bad memories from the things that happened to you. I'll give you a classic example. There was a redneck fisherman named Simon Peter. He was just a blue collar guy who was going to fish and make a living. And God stepped into his life and said, you're going to walk with me and you're going to change the world. He dropped his nets and said, let's go. You talk about a dream. And God used him greatly and great things happened. But he really screwed up one night. Remember this? Jesus said, you'll deny me. He said, I will die before I'll deny you. He said, the crock won't crow twice before you tell folks you never saw me. And at that fire that night, he denied him twice. The third time he denied him and cursed him. And the Bible said, this is in Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 14, the Bible said he ran out and he wept bitterly. All right, Mark chapter 16, verse three says this. Simon said, I am going fishing. Uh, the correct language would read like this. Simon said, I'm going back to fishing. You know what he said? I have blown it. What I've done in the past disqualifies me for the dream God gave me. I'm going back to what I used to be before I met Jesus. How many people going through rehab or trying to have a family or doing different things, something happened, they want to go back to where they were before Jesus grabbed hold of them. What's the great ending of that story in Mark chapter 16? Excuse me, I'm John 21. John 21, 3 said, I'm going back to fishing. He went back to fishing. Guess who came and got him? Verse 16, he looked at him and he said, do you still love me? That really is the question, dear ones. It's not, the question is not, are you perfect? The question is, do you love me? And he said, do you still love me? He said, I know I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. Gave him, put the dream right back in his heart. And see that? Don't you know that after Simon cussed Jesus out in front of everybody and then tried to help, don't you know somebody brought his past back up? What if he'd let, that, what if he'd let those memories steal his dream? I don't care what you've done. Dreams never die unless you let them die. Bad, and look, bad stuff happens to us in the past. We make mistakes. Other people do things to us. Bad experiences with churches. You name it. Satan's got 9,000 tools to steal your dream from you because of bad things that happen. Now let's shift gears. Good memories will steal your dreams from you. 
Jack Taylor, one of the first things I ever memorized, Jack Taylor, I'm 20 some years old, Jack Taylor said this. He said, on the plains of success lie the bleached bones of thousands who upon achieving some measure of success sat down and died right there. You, you can't quit dreaming just because something good happened in the past. I want you to look at me. Let's, we got time. Let's look in the book of Numbers chapter 11. This is the classic picture of how your past, good things in the past will destroy the future. Numbers, fourth book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. All right, there are people in bondage. God came and brought them out. He brings them through the promised land. Where is he taking them? I'm taking you to a goodly land. He wrote, he put such a dream in their hearts and a vision. He told them all about it. As I've told you, he said, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. That doesn't mean there was milk and honey running in the streets. It meant abundance. And as I've already told you, you'll, I, there are houses. You won't even have to build the houses. I'm giving you the houses. I'm giving you the vineyards. I'm giving you the fields and the groves. And you'll live in a goodly land and you'll, you'll mine copper out of the, out of the ground and silver and gold. He said, I'm, I'm taking you to the greatest place in the world. That's our God. There's also a physical picture of how he puts dreams in people's hearts and then starts them on the journey. And, uh, but it got a little tough on the road there. Yeah. I, I said something about tough and endurance. I've already said that. But listen to me. They got there and uh, <clears throat> they never got to fulfill their dreams. Did y'all know that? Those people they brought out never got to fulfill their dreams. Guess why? They couldn't, rem they couldn't quit forgetting the past. Look at it with me. Numbers chapter 11. God's feeding them that stuff called manna. Y'all remember manna? Verse four. Now the mixed multitude, Numbers 11, four. The mixed multitude were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel wept again and said, who'll give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlics, our whole being dried up. There's nothing except this manna now. You know why they couldn't go where God was taking them to? They couldn't get their minds off what they'd had in the past. I've heard people say, you know, when I was following the devil and drinking beer and raising hell, things is pretty good. He'll have you back. You have forgotten the bad stuff, Doc. Sort of like them old people talk about the good old days. They forgot outhouses late at night. Can I get a witness? It wasn't all good. Turn the page. Numbers chapter 14. Verse three, God's trying to get them to, to the, he's trying to be good to them. Verse three, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Stop right there. Did God take them out so he could kill their kids? Where do we get this stuff from? Be careful who's talking to you. Watch this. Verse three, why has the Lord brought us out to fall by the sword? Our children become victims. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, get a leader, let's go back to Egypt. You know why they couldn't go, you know why they never fulfilled their dream? They couldn't get the good memories of the past out of their mind. Listen, the good things that you saw yesterday will rob you of the best things God wants to take you to today. Um, listen, the other day, uh, I hope I don't hurt your feelings here. Uh, who was, I was listening to him, he was talking about uh, counseling and said a lady in his church came to me, John, John, wild at heart, John, whatever his name is, anyway. Said a lady came to this church, said she was just broken, so upset. She said, my kids are grown. My kids are getting grown. And the child rearing days are the greatest days of my life. And I just can't get over it. And he sympathized with her. And I thought, she's done. She's done. She's going to live the rest of her life thinking those were the greatest days of her life. How many of you know raising kids is wonderful? Those are great memories. 
she's, her memories were stronger than her dreams, her vision. Her looking back in the rearview mirror was going to keep her from going. There was, if that era is over, he has a dream for you. And he, he just comforted her. He should have said, well, I don't make nobody mad. <clears throat> he should have encouraged her. Old people. You know what old people are? America says to old people, get your paycheck, get you some Velcro tennis shoes, park it, go down there to Biscuitville, you're done. <laughs> Safe, done, dead, dead. You, you notice how most caskets have got the upper lid on them. They don't open them. Look in the bottom and see if they ain't got Velcro tennis shoes on them down there. I'm telling you, they got them on. <laughs> Just, was, I, I don't care if you're 105. Don't let the past rob you of the future. God don't do retirement. Let me tell you where God's retirement is. When you land right there with them Velcro tennis shoes, and I'm talking about how nice you were, then you're done. <laughs> Moses didn't get started until 90. Somebody asked me, they said, why are you quitting? I said, I'm not quitting. I said, J.O. Williams would come out of the grave and whoop me if I talked about quitting at this age. I'm just 64. I have never dreamed bigger than I do right now. I, I, we don't let the good thing. We say, well, I'm older and we had our day. You did not. He never, you never stopped dreaming. You say, well, that, those were the greatest times. There's greater times out there. There's bigger things out there. Don't li listen. When, when your memories become more precious than your vision, you're in trouble. You need to get with him and, and get a new vision. Hold on to it. That great account. All right. I, I want to give you one more. One more and then we're going to be done. We were not created to live on memories. We're created, now memories are wonderful. I'm a memory man. I got memory books. I got picture books that remind me of all the great things I've been through in life. I'm a picture taking fool and I keep them in books and I go, I forgot about that, wasn't that great? I love memories, but we were not designed to live on memories. We're designed to live on dreams. We weren't designed to live looking back, even the good. We're designed to live looking through the front. One of the greatest spiritual lessons I ever learned, I was watching the movie Gumball Rally. Y'all remember that? little Frenchman gets in that car and the guy says, what do we do? He said, he tears a rear view mirror off and throws it out. He said, the first thing you got to know about winning is you don't need a rear view mirror. If you want to win, you got to look that way, not that way. And I stood up in the theater and said, praise God. Hallelujah. Man's finally preaching the truth. Preachers need to preach that. We don't live on memories. We live on dreams. Listen to this. We looked at this a few Wednesday nights ago. Forgetting those things which are behind, even the good ones, pressing forward to those things which are ahead. That's how we live. Let me give you one more. Continued rebellion or rob you of your dreams. People, people, let me tell you what's wrong with sin. It steals your dreams. It's not that he's mad. It's not that you're ugly. It's not that you're nasty. Sin will steal your dreams. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm talking about your fist in God's face continually. It'll steal your dream. Here's the picture. Was there a man in the Bible named Samson that God gave a dream to? Did God raise that man up to be a deliverer and help people? I mean, I think Samson had a hip life for a long time. I mean, that, he was having a great, he was helping people. He was delivering his people. It was wild. I mean, he was the Rambo of the Old Testament. Y'all remember who Rambo is. And I don't do them modern ones. But he, he was just, he was, a, he was a man that God had his hand on, had a, a vision and he was being used of God. Every day was crazy new and wonderful with him. But he kept putting his fist in God's face. He didn't make a mistake. He kept doing it. He knew those things were wrong. He'd been warned, don't do this. But he persisted and he would not repent. He just kept fighting God. 
And finally, I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible, he rose, but he knew not that the spirit of God had departed from him. If you sin, repent, everything's fine. We all make mistakes. But this business of just knowing that this is wrong, but I'm going to keep doing it. You can, you can get away with it, but you go, your heart's going to die because you're going to lose your vision. All right. He knew not the spirit had departed from him. The power left. His enemies captured him and tied him up. First thing they did to him. What's the first thing they did? They ground out his eyes. The Hebrew word says they bore out his eyes. Now, whether they did it with a sword or a stick, but they put his eyes. What's the message? Continue in sin and you'll lose your vision. And you have no more vision after that. And then they made him a grinder in the prison. Instead of being a person with a vision and a dream and being excited about life, you just go round and round and round. You just grind. You've heard this? Just grinding life out. No, you can't see anything out there. There's no vision. That's why I know sin, to talk about sin is not vogue anymore. He hadn't changed one thing in his word. Sin will steal your vision. Now, we, we all struggle. Thank God if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father Jesus. But you cannot be a constant rebel and have a vision. That's why churches die. They're in rebellion and they lose their vision. And then they're just keeping the doors open. That's why believers die and they're just going. You ever heard of going through the motions? That's a, that's a sucky way to live. I'm just going to say, that's a sucky way to live. We need to be a people who get up every morning and dream and live in those dreams. All right, let me say this to you. <clears throat> By the way, let me throw this out there. Even Samson, bad as he messed up and lost his vision, he humbled himself and said, I realize now I shouldn't have done it. Will you have mercy? And the, I love the verse. This is, this is my favorite verses. You need to put this on your refrigerator his hair began to grow again. Maybe you got that on your refrigerator. His hair began to grow again. Remember, that's not for beauticians. Listen, everything in the Bible is a message from God. And you know what it means? God gave him a second chance. And he prayed, he said, please give me one more chance to do what I was created to do. Even with, listen, listen to the word of God. Even with that kind of rebellion, he just kept messing with God. And finally he was humbled and he said, please give me one more chance. And God instantly, and the Bible said this, he accomplished more in his death than he did in his life. I, I don't care how bad you've messed up. I don't care what you've lost. If you'll just humble your heart and say, give me another chance and mean it, he'll start you over. All right, here's my admonition. Start dreaming. Don't stop. I know, I know some of you sitting in here. I know your dreams have been crushed. I know your world's collapsed. Welcome to America right now. Welcome to an unholy devil who is the dream stealer. But listen to me. Listen to me. I can't give you, I can't guarantee you a time. I can't guarantee you a way, but I can guarantee you this. Your God is still your God who wants you to dream. Start somewhere. Force yourself to say, I'm going to start believing God for something. I'm going to start dreaming. Family, career, future. I'd just like to have hope again. You've got to start somewhere. And you open your heart to Him and say, I, I, you know, I lost it. I was just going through the motions. Help me. You, this book says you're the God of dreams. And I want you to put something in my heart. And I, listen, I ask him, just tell him, you've got to help me. Put a dream back in my heart. Let me see something out there. I, let me, uh, my, my friends that live in free in recovery, you know, we, the deal is, that it just start, it starts out if I could just get my life back and not, not live in that hell anymore. And then that dream elevates to what? 
man, if I could have a, have a wife, if I could have a, if my kids would love me again, if we could, if I could, if I could own a home someday, you know who that is? That's the spirit of God bringing dreams back. And he, he does that for people. We should never be a people that are hopeless if he's the God of hope. And let me say this to my old friends, old friends like me, old people. Don't buy this American junk that when your hair, snow on the top, it's over. Don't buy that stuff. That when your hair is gray, it's over. Hogwash. Go back through this book. The greatest feats ever accomplished were accomplished by 90-year-olds. I'm not old enough to get going yet. And you tell him, I ain't got the physical strength I used to have. I can't see like I could used to. When I go to <laughs> when I go to bed at night, there's more of me on the table than there is in the bed. <laughs> you know, put my teeth over there, put my arm over there, put my. <laughs> but though our outward man is perishing, my heart is stronger than it's ever been. Though our outward man is perishing, my inward man's being renewed day by day. And why don't you just be, just stand up, lean up on your walker, get on that walker and tell him, drop it on me. Give me something big that, that they will laugh at. And then you bring it to pass. I hate what we're doing to old people in this nation saying, God bless you, take your pension, go sit at the Biscuitville. I'm not against Biscuitville. That's just where I go see old men that all the time. McDonald's, I'm going to start picking on McDonald's. I'm dry. I walked into McDonald's in another town not long ago. I walked in there. The place was full. I walked in and it was dead silence. I mean, just like right here. Dead silence. And I thought, I've walked into a robbery. Everybody's paralyzed in there. I mean, there were 40 people in there. Everybody's paralyzed. Not, nobody making a sound. Everybody dead frozen. I thought, I walked into a robbery. And I thought, thank God I got Smith with me here. And I thought, where's he at? All of a sudden I heard, B4! They was playing bingo. That's why everybody was so quiet in there. <laughs> I mean, you know, getting old and playing bingo is not, there's nothing wrong with that. They just, besides old people, let me tell you something. Teach these things to younger men. There are young people that need you. Amen. There's a dream out there. Tell him, put this in my heart. Light my heart up. Don't you ever give up on your children. Don't you ever give up on yourself. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. You, you're the God of dreams. And you, when we read the Bible, the Bible is you screaming at us and saying, this is what I'm like. From the opening pages of Genesis, you planted dreams in people's hearts and brought them to pass. Yes, they were tough. Yes, there was difficulty. Yeah, they had to work through it. Yeah, there were setbacks. Yeah, there were delays. Yeah, they had to have faith. But that's part of the process and part of the joy. Every heart in this room, every heart listening to me online, it's in there. There's a dream in their hearts. I pray in Jesus, and I call it forth in the name of Jesus. And I pray that we'll just turn off the TV for a little bit and, and learn to get quiet and be still. Maybe go down by the riverbank or get out in the woods and walk or get alone and meditate and open our hearts to you and say, talk to me. But ignite a dream in my heart. Tell me what you've got planned. Your word says you've got plans for me that'll bring me hope, peace, not evil. And I pray that people will 
get off with you somewhere and let you put dreams in their hearts. And they'll grab that thing like a bulldog grabs a, a weenie and hang on to it and fight for their dreams and review it, write them down. And, and they don't have to show it to anybody because folks would laugh, but dream. And on them days when it feel them emotions are so strong, you ain't never going to see it. They'd say, they'd open that book, say, God doesn't lie. And I pray for every person in this room to dream big, big, big stuff, big stuff. I pray for that and trust you for that. Big dreams. I pray for people whose dreams have been crushed. To go to your word. Quick, get out of your emotions. Go to your word. Go to your word and say, look what we did for people who lost their dreams. Even, even the woman brought her child back to life. I trust you for that. I thank you and praise you that you are the father of dreams and you're good. Lord Jesus, we dream for our children. Why would we think you're any less? And I give you the praise and glory. It's just so much fun to have a vision from heaven. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.